Everybody, welcome to a Church in the Valley. Appreciate Eric uh, stepping in to lead a worship this morning. Ben uh, Montgomery and his family, our worship leader, he's in Chicago uh, visiting family. And um, the World Series is not going quite as the Chicago peeps thought. So still holding hope. If you're from Chicago, there's another game left. But they're there uh, visiting family. So I appreciate Eric uh, stepping in to, to lead uh, worship for us. Uh, Today we're continuing a series that we started two weeks ago called Hometowns, and we've been talking about the importance of connecting and belonging to a group of people. And the idea of a hometown is we all want to kind of find a place where we can belong, where we can have a group that we can be a part of, Uh, just like a small hometown that you kind of know everybody and everybody knows you. In today's world, especially where we live, uh, the closer you get to Los Angeles and big cities, uh, oftentimes things can be very fragmented and you can be around millions and millions of people, but actually feel um, isolated. And so we've been talking about the need that all of us have to be connected and how that was actually something that was given to us uh, from God. We are made in his image and he himself uh, values community. And because of that, because he made us and we're made in his image, that's something that we actually have a need for. There's something that that just makes sense to us when we we can connect uh, with others. But it's actually something that even though we are made for it, we actually have to choose. And uh, more than ever, it's easily to be connected to hundreds of people through social media, but at the same time, lack real, like in the flesh, personal conversations. And that's kind of the the age in which we live. And so there's a pull to kind of isolate ourselves. And so I want to spend a little bit of time talking this morning about that pull and how we deal with the tension of being made for community while at the same time kind of feeling that pull of wanting to, to be alone or kind of pulling back from the busyness of life to just kind of being where we can just be with ourselves and just experience uh, peace. Uh, there's a show that I've watched a few times on Netflix called Mountain Men. And it's like an awesome show because it's just the extreme of people who want to create their own world where they can kind of set the terms and really not have to do life in the busyness of society. And so I want to show this trailer because this kind of represents the extreme of that pull we have sometimes to, to isolate ourselves. Let, let's watch it together. are a natural barrier. Here, man's ambition collides with the ultimate power of nature. Some men seek to live here beyond the bounds of civilization. They fight to survive, battling ruthless predators. Get out of here! And relying on ancient skills to feed, clothe, and sustain their families. Doing the best I can with what I've got is the way any mountain man survives. From Alaska's northern range, the drop from me is there's no one else here. It's just 
wild country. To Appalachia's Blue Ridge Mountains. From Maine's Great North Woods. This choice of going out into this mountain man life is a dream. To Montana's Big Sky Country. You don't come across many mountain men anymore. I'm a survivor. The last of their kind. To live freedom, live independence. I'll be a mountain man until the day I die. They are mountain men. That, that just seems like the ideal for me. If I have Wi-Fi and a cabin and a local coffee shop, it'd be ideal. I watch that and it's like that. That's nuts. But there's part of me that kind of like you just just grow a beard and you try to survive. And then I'm thinking like this would be if I was in this reality show, it would be the shortest ever. (laughs) Five minutes in, I'd be like, go ahead and call the chopper. I need to go back to the city. Like this just there's this part of that which it, it, it like appeals but at the same time makes no sense. But that's like the extreme. These people have chosen that because of this this desire to one, be with nature and try to survive, but just this kind of be alone, see what we can do with just what's what's within ourselves. The reason that's a reality show is it's actually not normal. Um oftentimes if you're on a reality show, you're not normal. And I don't mean that in like the bad way, but you've got something that appeals to a wider audience. But as you, as you watch that, it's easy to see like that's extreme. Like, you know, I shave regularly, you know, and I'm just trying to kind of survive in our world. But, but we live in a society today that it's not that extreme, but we have subtle ways that, that we isolate ourselves even today. And if you look at our neighborhoods and you look at the way things are designed, um, all of us kind of seek, like, let's find a house with an attached garage that you could press a button. The garage goes up, you pull into it, and there's a door that connects to your house. You just go in, shut the garage, and go into your house, and you actually don't need to talk to your neighbors. And that's, like, highly sought out, just this idea of let's, let's kind of create our fences, let's create our walls. And, you know, architecture and things of development are more like how can we create places where people can have privacy? And that's a high value. Because we just kind of want to pull away. We want to have a little bit of an escape from people. And if you look back at like society and our culture, specifically in America, there was so much community that used to exist just from like the front porch mentality of a house. Like you'd be on your front porch and you could connect with your neighbors, maybe on their front porch or people that are walking by. You'd sit out there with the hopes of talking to them. And front porches like existed everywhere, like I see front porches now if I'm driving north to Pasadena, but I see the front porch with binoculars because the house is so far back from the street, right? So even like the purpose of it is different. And the only time I've actually really kind of sat in like a French porch like atmosphere was at a Cracker Barrel, which I talked about a couple weeks ago. It looks like this. This is, I think, at the grand opening of Cracker Barrel in, in Las Vegas. What's great about this is this is on a porch, but it's in front of a restaurant, little bit different you're not in your in your neighborhood but that's just the sense you just sit down and you, you talk to people and you get to know how people are doing that's what used to exist in in our neighborhoods and the front porch there's been a lot of studies about how the front porch and the design of our neighborhoods actually encouraged this connection uh, to each other in fact here's a, here's a quote 
from somebody who did, who did a study on this. It says the American, the American front porch represented the ideal of community in America. For the, front por- for the front porch existed as a zone between the public and the private, an area that could be shared between the sanctity of the home and the community outside. So this idea of like there's this connection point that, that existed. And, and you don't find that really now at all. In fact, when you go out to community-type places, one of the most normal things you do, and I am totally guilty of this, is you're with people... But sometimes you're not talking to them because you're looking on your phone, right? It's actually ironic. You're with people that you can connect with, but you're maybe on Facebook connecting with somebody else. And that's kind of the community in which it exists now. It's, it's actually less person to person and more virtual or social, but in a media sense, like not flesh to flesh. And so what happens is, more than ever, people are connected with people that they've known throughout their life, but they lack sometimes real, authentic relationships that they can have right here where, where they're at. And so there's, there's sometimes a lack of authenticity that exists in, in, in our culture and in our world. And so what we're talking about in this series is with the backdrop of the need for community is real, but also the height of isolation is, is more the norm. And we're all actually kind of a part of that. We experience just being withdrawn. We experience kind of being in our own world in a protective layer where we, we don't interact with people. And so I want to kind of talk about how that, that actually, when, when that's our reality, it, it actually causes us to lack the good life, like real joy that, that can exist in, in relationships. And so I want to show kind of how God's intent is to take kind of this pull of isolation and to, to draw us to actually want to connect with him. And pursue a relationship with him so we can actually experience community with God, but also how that helps us connect uh, with with those around us as well, specifically uh, in in the church. Uh, But but we all struggle at times with with that connection. It's it's easy to to kind of pull and and withdraw. But God has made us uh, to connect to a community beyond ourselves. That's actually his purpose for us. That's what we've been talking about. That we actually are part of a community where people know us and we know them and we have a part to play. If we're not playing our part, something is missing or that there's lacking. There's a sense of which we actually rely on each other. And that's what the community of the church is supposed to look like. It's a group of people that they need each other. And there's this this commitment to each other to to relate and to do life in a way so that the group is strengthened. The we is more important than the me. The group is more important than just my own individual desires, my own agenda. We actually have to fight for that because when I wake up, most of the time I'm not thinking the we, the group. I'm thinking me, what, what I want, what's really important to me. And so, so we have to fight against this. The, the description of the church is described many times throughout the New Testament. And there's a backdrop assumption in the New Testament, that to be a part of a church meant that you're, you're contributing and you're connecting. You're, you're a part of it. You're a part of the church. And this is a description of, of kind of how God has wired the church uh, together. And this is found in 1 Corinthians 12. It says this, the human body has many parts. So Paul, the writer of this, is using an analogy. But the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. 
We all have been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. So Paul is talking in a time, just like what exists today, where we have a very array of diverse people from backgrounds, ethnicities, experiences, pasts, future goals. It's a diverse group, just like we have in this church. In this time in the culture, there was slaves and there were free people. And so he's speaking of that. And then he's talking about people that are from just different worldviews, whether they're, they're Jews or Greeks, things that were just totally bipolar, totally different in, in their, their worldview and, and what was important. So he's saying that the thing that unifies this group is not just the fact that they come together, but they're unified by Jesus Christ and the spirit that lives in each person as they decide to follow Christ. So when you become a Christian, you become born again. And that's what we talked about last week. You, you have this new birth of doing life God's way and his life becomes in you and, and you can begin to start following him. And so that's what unifies the church. It's not that we're all the same. In fact, it's that despite our differences, you see the beauty of God at work in his people because he unifies people who normally wouldn't necessarily connect with each other. And that's this, this picture of Christianity where you bring people from so many different backgrounds and experiences, but under Christ, they can actually be unified. So he's highlighting kind of the extreme cases of differences, but showing that just like on your body, all the parts work together. As, as you guys know, uh, most of you, uh, last year I, I had an injury that happened twice with my ruptured Achilles. If there's ever a time in which I knew like how important a leg is to the whole body, it's when you can't use it, right? When you can't use your leg, you realize like, it's important. And what Paul is saying is just like your leg is important to you because you can walk, we are important to each other. Like we function as a whole unit. When one part of us not functioning, it, it slows us all down. When we're not unified together, our, our momentum is, is stopped. It's stalled. And so Paul's explaining this as this picture of the body. It all has to work together for you to move forward. And it's the same with the church. He brings us together under Jesus Christ so we can accomplish his purposes. So we're made to be a part of something bigger, not just the idea of it, but actually contributing to it, connecting, just like the body is connected to each other. I want to walk through today just talking about benefits, because as we talk about community, uh, it's easy to overlook sometimes what can actually happen when you do have a group of people that you're connected with specifically when you're connected with a group of Christians, what God's doing within the church, there are some benefits that come that, that you can't experience anywhere else. And so I want to highlight these because these are actually things that, that God gives as he unifies the body together. You, you see these at work in the church and you can experience them personally in your, in your own life. So here's part of why being connected is important. You, you can actually experience friendships and encouragement. If you've ever kind of had a friend within this church, and you could say, you know, that person is actually my friend, God's used that to, to bless you. And if you've been a friend to someone else in this church, God's used you to bless them. If you've been ever encouraged by someone, by a conversation, or by an example, or something that they've said, or something they've done, if you've been encouraged, God's used that to bless you. And if you've encouraged someone else, He's used you to bless them. And so friendship and encouragement, it meets that felt need that we have. And you can experience that. 
as you connect uh, to the church. Another key aspect of being connected to something bigger than just ourselves, by ourselves, is that you can have an extended spiritual family. If you have kids and you're trying to raise them in God's way and you're trying to train them up so they learn what it means to walk with God and to, to make him happy and to please him, you need all the help that you can get. Right? Because we were all kids and we know like our parents say things because they're our parents. And it has some value, but there's a point in which if somebody else says something that has the same truth that your parents said, doesn't it just seem like it clicks differently? You may be experienced this as a parent. You've been telling your child something and then they'll come to you one day and said, you know, this person said something about how my attitude impacts my life and I need to choose a better attitude. And you're thinking, I've said that for seven years. But maybe somebody in kids on class said something. And it just it clicked. So oftentimes we think just in the, a biological sense, we have parents, we have kids and it's so small, it's just a, just a little family unit. When you're part of the church, you have an extended spiritual family where you can help parents raise their kids by just your example, by your encouragement, by getting time with them. This morning, uh, oftentimes on a Sunday morning, I I wake up and I work at a a coffee shop just to prep for the message. And this morning, a couple of kids on teachers uh, were at the same coffee shop. I said, hey, hey, and you know, how you doing? And they were there to meet, to prep. For the kids own lesson and to talk about what they were going to do. And I, I said, that's that's the picture of of community. They're getting together. To kind of do this lesson, so they're not doing it by themselves, so they can be on the same page. But ultimately, the goal is it's to actually teach the kids in a way that's going to really benefit them. I, I said, that's the picture. They woke up early. To do that, and that's a blessing to our families of the church. If you're single and you don't, you're not married and you, you don't have kids, you can still be a, an aunt and uncle to the kids of the church. And if you don't have parents that walk with God, there's older people within this church that they could act like spiritual parents. They could help you. And so the very things that sometimes we lack, that we wish we had in our own family, God connects you to the spiritual family of the church. You have this extended unit that God uses to really help you. So this is the picture that, that Paul's... Uh, describing. But here's the reality. All this it, it sounds great. You know, we all want friendships. We all want encouragement. And being ex- extended to a bigger family that can help us, that sounds great. But you actually have to take initiative to stay connected. You have to take initiative to stay connected. You actually have to take steps forward for these benefits to actually be experienced. Uh, Hebrews 10 uh, has kind of this this challenge to Christ followers in the church. This is a challenge to to not give up meeting together, to to make sure you make a priority to, to get together in the church. This is what it says. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. There's a sense in which the spurring there is like encouragement. When you get around people and they encourage you in your faith, sometimes it's encouragement like keep going, but sometimes it's an encouragement which is kind of like a spur, like there's a challenge to it. It's encouragement with an edge of challenge. Like to, to hang in there, to 
to be careful, to watch out, to stay engaged, to keep walking with God, keep fighting to spend time reading the Bible, keep fighting in your prayer life. Like when you come along people and they, they spur you, there's a little bit of a challenge where you want to keep going. That's the picture of the church. But when you stop meeting with people and getting together and you stop coming to church, you, you miss out on this challenge. You miss out on this relational network that God puts together. And so the writer here is saying is the norm is to bail out. Some are in the habit of doing it. It's a habit. There's something in us that despite the benefits that we can experience in community, we kind of want to step away. And sometimes to the point where we, we just bail out altogether. I'll never forget my first community group at Church in the Valley. This was about 15 years ago or 16 years ago. And it was kind of my first time being a part of this group in the church. And there was about 25, like 20, 21, 22, and 23-year-olds. We were kind of starting out. Some of us were newly married. Some of us had just really young kids. And we were trying to figure out what does it mean to follow God in this new phase of life. And the leader that I had in one of the meetings early on was talking about this verse. And he said, you know, you have to fight to stay connected. And you have to fight to actually stay walking with God over the course of your life. It's about how you finish. And so, you know, he was giving us this charge as young people. And, and he says, I want you to look around this room. And look at all the faces of these people. And there'll be people 10 to 15 years from now that are sitting right here that will no longer be walking with God. And I'm like, whoa, I thought this was supposed to be like a community group. This just got kind of awkward. Because you're looking around and you're doing the percentages like. But what he was doing is saying like that that reality is real. That's what makes it a reality. The reality of pulling away and bailing out is real. So you have to fight to stay connected. You have to take initiative. Even when you don't feel like it. We live in a time where our feelings are everything. But there's times when. We just don't want to extend ourselves. There's times when we don't want to serve. There's times when we don't want to help people. Because we don't feel like it. But our feelings, they can't dictate our life and what we live by. So the writer is saying there's a habit that we're just going to want to bail, but we have to actually take initiative. One of the key ways that that's important is, is, is connected to another benefit. The reason you want to take the initiative to stay connected to the community is that you can experience getting and giving help. If you don't fight to stay connected, when you need help, where will you go to get it? Where will you go? And if people need help and they want to experience it, where are they going to go? It's this picture of the only way you can get it and the only way you can give it is if you're part of a group. You're not just by yourselves. You're not even... Your own family, because oftentimes you need help beyond your own family, right? When there's trouble, where there's hardship. Because your family's just looking at each other like, what do we do? I don't know. We just got here. We don't know why we got here. We don't know where we're at. Our relationships are at this place where they're just on tethers. And, and there's not the answers within your family. And so if you stay connected and you take initiative, if you need help, you can get it. But part of initiatives, you have to actually ask for help. If I did a brief survey, and I just asked you guys really quickly, how many of you guys like asking people for help? I bet you that percentages would be really low, right? I, I don't really tend to like that. I like to be independent. 
solve my own problems. And if I'm in a trouble spot, my tendency is the least amount of people that know will be the better. That's most of the time it's rooted in pride. I want to be self-sufficient. I want to have it all together. But to actually get to a point where you realize that you can't solve your problem, that's actually where you can experience community in a real way. And you see God come through. God in his grace uses other people who can help you. And the same initiative is to actually help people who need it. And so you see the both of those working together. When we get to the point where we actually ask for help, the church needs to be a place that people stand up and say, I, I will help you. I'll make a priority. I have time in my schedule to help you. Whether that's getting together and talking through a problem or helping you move or helping you in a pinch when you need it. That takes initiative. It takes a certain priority. What you do with your schedule, what you do with your time. So that pull we have, we have to, to fight for. But if we do, we do stay connected and we take initiative, you can get help when you need it and you can give it to others when they need it. This is just a beautiful picture of, of the community of the church. The last thing I want to share, so we've talked about this importance of we have to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And then we have to take initiative to actually fight for community. To stay in the game with people. To stay in the mix of walking with God. Third thing is Christ followers uh, should contribute for the common good of the church. This is just, again, this, we're part of something bigger. And I want to continue in the passage that I read earlier in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 12, 4-7 says this. So he used the analogy of the body and the different parts. And he says this. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So again, you see this diversity within the community. And that's a really good thing. There's varieties of gifts. It's this idea of God has made you unique. There is nobody exactly like you. With your, with your talents, with your skills. And also, in a spiritual sense, when you become born again and you commit your life to Christ, you actually get a spiritual gift from God himself. Like he gives you a gift to build up the church. And if you've never heard of what spiritual gifts are, I want, I want to define them uh, brief, briefly. It says a special ability given by the Holy Spirit to every believer at their conversion to be used to minister to others and therefore build up the body of Christ. So not only do we have talents and personalities and experiences that God uses to help build the church, but when you become a Christian, you actually get a spiritual gift. And it could be to serve. It could be to lead. There's a variety of these gifts, but the goal of it is not to boost ourselves, but it's to build up the church. It's to strengthen the community. So you see this diversity and unity and this kind of tension that exists, but it's this great picture of the community that, that God has put together. And so for us, there, there's a sense in which we have to realize that when we come to church and we're a part of this community, it's actually not the time to just kind of turn off your brain and just show up. When you're a part of the church and the community that God puts together, 
you can actually engage. And God wants to use you and who you are to help build what God wants to put together here at Church in the Valley or wherever that you're a part of. And so it's just this sense of which we have to realize that when we come, it's not just about what we can get. It's actually about what we can give, what we can contribute. I don't know about you, but that, that's like a, a different way of thinking. We're in a time where we go to a place and it's always like, what are they going to do for me? And oftentimes church can be like going to a movie. But sometimes you, you really hope it's short. Right? Some movies you're like, man, I hope it's long so I got what I'm worth. But church, like, the shorter, like, you like that. But you can come just to church like a movie. Like, is it going to be entertaining the coffee going to be warm when it's summer? Is the lemonade just have the right ratio? You guys ever think about this? Don't come on. We all do. Right? But the picture in the New Testament is it's we create this so that people that aren't Christians, they can come and experience this. They can actually come and experience a community and it, it draws them in. But we have to work to create that atmosphere. That's the role of the Christians, to work to create an atmosphere and we have so many volunteers and people here at Church and I that do that week in and week out. And it makes such a difference. And for me, I have the pleasure when I see the people working together before service, after service, during the week, helping each other serving, it's, that's community. What happens here, what happens on the outside, in group life, in people's lives, that's community. And there's actually nothing better. Because, again, it's not something that we put together. God puts us together. And he, and he binds us. Uh, here, here's some, some benefits of, of contributing within the community. Coming and taking initiative and in who God made you to be to, to be a part of something bigger. Uh, your faith will grow. You can experience growing faith. When you extend yourself and you get past yourself to help a group of people, uh, you, you actually grow your faith. Because oftentimes you're wondering, how am I going to get taken care of? That's a big barrier. How am I going to be taken care of if I'm extending myself? But your faith grows when you realize when you extend yourself, God actually takes care of you. Sometimes it's directly or sometimes it's through other people. But, but your faith grows. We can also experience growing character. Your character actually grows under pressure. That's the reality of life. And so when you serve and extend yourself and you give up your time to help and to love people and to meet with people and to get with people and to encourage people, all the things that we've been commanded to do, your schedule sometimes feels like so tight and you can be overwhelmed. At the point of you're overwhelmed, oftentimes your character is growing. And character is grown under pressure. So when you extend yourself, God grows things in you that can't come any other way. You can also experience a growing skill set. When you work a part of the church, oftentimes we think in terms of skills that we gain by getting an education. And we get a degree. And that's actually good. Oftentimes, to get a good job, you need to have a good degree. You need to go to a good school. But there's also growing skills that you get just by experiences. And you can learn to solve problems when you get a group of people and you're trying to accomplish something. For instance, today, if it rains at the harvest party, we would love you to come and help us figure out the problem-solving skill, <laughs> how to make the event still happen. So we're going to do human canopies where we hold up people Right. And I, I'm joking about that, kind of, but maybe the canopy part. But there's a sense in which, like, 
when you're trying to get a group of people together to accomplish something, you, you can actually learn a lot. And here at Church and I, we, we actually want people to gain leadership skills and get the help in how to be a leader. We also want people to gain following skills. Like, how do I follow people? And what does that look like? And all that's transferable to, to family life, and it's transferable to work life. And so you can actually grow in your skills by just being a part of the church and contributing. And you can learn things. Uh, you can also experience growing examples. People that are further down the road than you. People that are older and wiser. We all need those people. Again, it, oftentimes if, if our, our circle is really small and everyone's just like us, we lack some of those examples. And in the church, we, we have that. And I'm, I'm thankful for people that are older than me, wiser than me, that I can go to and say, you know, I'm experiencing this. Have you ever, have you ever experienced that? Maybe it's discouragement. Or maybe it's just feeling like I have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing. I feel like my wheels are spinning. And I talk to somebody older and wiser and they just look at me and they say, I experience that all the time. Then there's that little pause where you're like, oh man, if they say I'm crazy and they've never experienced that, what do I do? But that usually never happens. Because God, God does that and he puts us around people that they, they can encourage us. And by their example, kind of, this is what you can do. This is what you need to look out for in your parenting, at work, the problem you're facing. And growing examples, great benefit that we can experience. Uh, lastly, we can experience a growing vision. What God wants to do through Church in the Valley here in Alhambra is so much bigger than just what we usually think about in our own life. You know, we think about our family and, and trying to be a unit as a family. We think about our work and trying to do well at work. And, but when you see the kingdom of God that represents the light invading the darkness and the lives of people that God wants to change through them committing their lives to Christ, you see all the lost people that are around us who need help, who need hope, who need a new beginning, who need this new birth. All of a sudden, what we tend to think of is very small. And we see what God wants to do through us. Right here, our vision can begin to expand. And that same vision that, that those mountain men have for this life away from people, we see we can have the same draw to fight for something, but... It's the exact opposite, to be a part of a group, to work together with a group and just see what God will do. So our vision expands. My ambition by itself is too small. When I connect to what God does in the church, it increases tenfold and tenfold and tenfold. So God's vision gets expanded as I contribute to the larger group. And that's just a reality of life. And so... We need to be a part of a group. We need to take the initiative to connect to it. And then we need to actually take the steps forward to contribute to it. I want to close out our time talking about where you are in relationship to what we've been talking about and your next step. My favorite thing when I go to malls or any place is like I look at the map, but it only helps me if I know where I am. Right. You guys ever seen those? It kind of looks like this. You are here. Right. I love that. I'm, where's the arrow? Where's the arrow or the star? And if I know where I am, it helps me know where to go. And it's the same thing as we try to take steps to grow in our relationship with God. Where are you and where do you need to go? So I'm just going to kind of list out a variety of examples of where you could be in relationship to community. Now, I'm not looking at you. And if I stare at you, it doesn't mean like this one's yours. Okay. Sometimes like I, I like to just look at you guys so I could see the faces, but I'm never like. 
Right. So just no guilt here at all. All right. But but there's a sense of where you are and only, you know, that. Or maybe you don't know and it's something that, that God could show you. So here, here's some scenarios. If you're new to Church in the Valley and you come sporadically, your next step is try to come more often. If you come once a month, try coming twice a month or three times. If that's where you are, that could be your next step. Come more often. Okay. If you've been coming regularly, but you're not involved it actually may be time to think through how can I use my energy and my wiring and my gifts and my abilities to contribute to the church. And it might help with just, it might start with you helping within the community. And so if, if you've been around and you're not participating and you kind of sense that's where you are and that's your next step, uh, you can mark on the connection card on the back. There's a place like helping CIV as needed. If you just think I need to just take a step to help, uh, you can mark that. That might be where you are, and then your next step. Uh, if you've been coming and you're involved and you're, you know, you're serving, but you feel disconnected, that's actually normal. Because again, you, you still have to fight that, that feeling of being around people, but not feeling like you connect. Maybe time to take just initiative to, to talk to somebody. One of the things that I know is real is that oftentimes we want things and other people around us want the same things. But everyone's waiting for somebody else to do it. And sometimes it's just you have to be the one to take initiative. And there's a, that fight like, I'm always the one that takes initiative. You ever thought that? Yeah, I, I haven't either. <laughs> right? But there's that feeling of like, it's always me. And it, God just may put you in that like, you just have to do it. And that's what God is having the role you play. You're the one that's taking initiative. And you're getting things started. So take initiative with somebody. Talk to them, meet them, see if they'd like to get together. Find out what's going on in the world and just listen. Maybe there's all sorts of things you want to talk about and you're just trying to figure out what to do, but maybe just be take initiative and you actually listen to somebody else. That, that may be where you are and, and your next step. There's some other things. If, if you're really involved and you're feeling burnt out, it may be just time you need to talk to, to the leader over you and just let them know, I am... I'm really struggling. I just feel burnt out. And if you let somebody over, you know that like somebody, especially if it's in church and I, you just feel all my responsibilities, all I'm doing, I just, I'm overwhelmed. There's just things that we can do to make your life better. And we can relieve some of that pressure. So just communicate with us. We, we want to help you. We want to encourage you and, and we want to challenge you. And if you've been around a long time and you're a leader and you're, you're involved in lots of different things. I encourage you uh, to ask the question, who, who can I invest in within the church? Who's somebody that I can invest in and, and actually take time to get to know? Take time to figure out how I can help. And then ask God to, to show you that. So wherever you are, there, there's a lot of steps that, that you can take. I, I encourage you, decide where you are and then decide which step that you want to take. So I'm going to invite the band up. And if you could pull out your connection cards that Jeremy had you guys fill out, uh, finish filling that out if you haven't yet. And then on the back side of the connection card are some next steps. And it's really related to what I just uh, explained to you. Kind of decipher where you are and, and what your next step might be. And then I encourage you to take it. And so you may want to write it down. There's also a blank next step, which if there's just something else that you sense, 
this is where I am. This is what I need to do. I may not have even mentioned it, but, but you can write that in there. Uh, also, like I mentioned earlier, we, we have the harvest party and it really is rain or shine. And so I've just decided if God allows it to rain, we're still going to have a really fun time. Now, fun may be different for different people, but I, I encourage you just to come. That's another way. Just come to the events that we have. And that's a way that you can begin to, to build relationships and get kind of connected to this community. So I, I hope to see you guys there uh, this afternoon. Let's pray together. God, we, we thank you for just this group and this church that, that you've put together and all the faces of the people that are here and the opportunity, despite our differences, uh, that we can actually be unified under you. And God, you are a God of unity and of order and, and you take all sorts of things that don't seem like they could work together and, and you allow us to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. So I, I pray for our community here at Church in the Valley that you'll really strengthen us to do our part. Our faith will grow as we see you come through. And ultimately, God, we, we pray that you'll use us to help other people come to know you and that you'll grow our vision for what you can do through us. And so we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.